0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look at my face. i'm sorry i thought i had everything set up but my bad <laughs> i did mess up for a quick second so freddie how's your mental health <laughs> i had my mic off and everything everything was just messed up for a second
1: <laughs> it's all good it's all good we're here now how is my mental health
0: how is your mental health i
1: don't i'm gonna be honest with you i don't really know how to answer that question um there's a lot. And, you know, at some point, we're going to dive into this, but there's a lot about mental health that I'm not too sure I fully understand. So if you ask me how my mental health is, the only thing I can say is, well, am I happy or am I not happy? And and that's about the extent of of, of how I would answer that question. On this day, I'm happy. So I would I guess I would therefore say my mental health is decent.
0: So, when you're looking at your own mental health, I'm sorry, I got to ask a quick question. When you talk about your own mental health on a spectrum, do you only think of it as like sad and depressed or happy and depressed, not sad and depressed, but happy and depressed? Like you only have like two wavelengths?
1: Uh, no, I wouldn't say that I only have happy I wouldn't say. I don't only have happy and sad, but how I put my next foot forward is heavily dependent on on one of those things. So for instance, if I'm feeling happy in a day, I can wake up and feel like I got a lot of things I got to do to accomplish what I need to do to feel good about myself um, and to move my life or my day forward. But when I wake up, whether I feel happy or whether I feel sad is, is hugely dependent on the way I, I take my next step. So there's definitely a lot of emotions in between. Um, but, uh, but I think those are my primary ones. Just, just, am I, am I happy or am I, am I, I guess maybe not sad, just discontent. Um, that's
0: the yeah, yeah. Okay. So, what questions do you have when it comes to like that spectrum, though? So, if it's just like, because it seems like you have a roundabout of saying, "Man, I don't really know. I don't try to." I was <laughs> like a PC way of saying, "Man, I don't really know." <laughs> that's I what at like. <laughs> I don't.
1: Not even a little bit. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I think good. Look, I don't know what mental health. I don't. I don't. I don't. There's a lot of conversations about mental health that I don't fully understand, uh, and so when it comes to myself, I just go: Am I am I feeling good? Am I not feeling good? Um, I could I could point out a lot of like insecurities and, and, and issues like that that I that I have to deal with and go through uh, intellectually, but but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's kind of how that's kind of how I operate.
0: So intellectually, let's, let's break this down. Let's, let's break down this mental health thing in your brain. I know we're supposed to go left with here, but I kind of like the way you answered that. Okay. So intellectually, okay. you think about mental health. You're thinking about, okay, I'm Freddie Walton. Freddie Walton on a scale of one to 10 feels an eight. So an eight means I'm great. Or is it like, let's see, let's take a real, you know, educated guess on how I feel. You know what? I feel good good by the definition terms means blah, 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 and that's how I feel, so I'm on about my way. Is that kind of how you operate, or do you operate in like, oh, huh, I'm good? Or are you really looking internally and trying to figure out why you might feel left about something that was said a month ago or a year ago? Do you even have like those type of feelings from like or anxiety in a sense?
1: I think, <clears throat> I don't know... So I think what happens with me is I I wake up and there is a certain there is a certain level of um, there's a certain level of me not understanding. Like my my emotions work like everyone else's in the way that I don't control that shit. It happens. Whatever happens, happens. So sometimes I wake up and I'm not feeling good and I don't exactly know why. Sometimes I wake up and I'm super happy, even though I don't know if I should be. Um, But what I I then try to do with that is kind of look. Uh, I kind of look internally at what. So for me, it's a lot of insecurities. There's there's a lot of insecurities that I don't operate under the fear of those insecurities, but they are definitely there. And I spend a lot of time trying to break those down and figure out why certain things bother me and how I can stop them from bothering me. And, uh, and when, when I wake up, if I'm not feeling great about myself, it's very difficult to break down those insecurities in a positive way and in, in, in a productive way.
0: So when you're talking about like breaking things down and like your insecurities, I do have a question. I watched your why we still can't agree on George Floyd video. And I don't know if that was like insecurities or a misunderstanding of how people feel when it comes to either the George Floyd killing or the Black Lives Matter movement. But you was very articulate in how you was expressing your emotions about it. So when you're talking about breaking things down, like. You did a 40 minute video on the George Floyd video. Is that how you approach your mental health and your emotions? And can you speak more to about the George Floyd thing?
1: Uh, first of all, yeah, no, it's it's there is no way for me to feel anything I'm feeling, regardless of if it happens to be irrational or not, without then throwing it through a filter of rationality and trying to understand it. I just can't any problem in my life. No matter how emotional it is, no matter how logical it is, I have to sit down and break it down. I I put a whiteboard up in my head and I start trying to break down the situation and figure out what's going on. Why am I? Even when I know like, okay, you're you're feeling a little uh, emotional right now. And I know that your emotion is not from a logical place. Okay, we got that. Now, we, we know that we know we're feeling that way. So what exactly is the best step? here? Where, where, where do we go next? Now that we know that we're feeling a little bit irrational, maybe there's a rational step we can do to kind of make up the difference. Um, and it's, it's kind of the only way I know how to break things down. You know, when I got a lot of friends who witnessed and you, you, you know, when something serious happens, when, when, when shit hits the fan, I go very stoic and very calm. Doesn't mean I'm not freaking out. Doesn't mean I'm not having some internal struggle. It just means that the only thing I can do when, when, when things get real is to just pump the brakes, and I got to just think about it. And and I would I would say in my mind it's probably my only safe space. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: Do you think that sometimes your rationality can breed irrationality though? Because in those times where you're trying to be stoic, right? With you trying to be so rational, can you be irrational? Because you're overthinking how to be rational.
1: It's so easy to overthink things. <laughs> <laughs> it is so easy to overthink things. Uh, I yeah, well, man, look, I think there's there's a process that you have to develop over time when it comes to analyzing something and processing something. Um, kind of like when in, in school, when you're when you're taught how to make a story, you kind of you kind of go from like the who, what, when, where, why, how kind of situation, and you want to answer all those questions. When you, when you come up with a way of thinking and a way that you analyze things, you kind of want to ask all those basic questions. Why are we thinking these things? Who like you, you need to have a mission statement if you're breaking something down. Otherwise, you're just thinking for the sake of thinking, and that, I feel, is where you start to get irrational. So, like, for me, if there's a decision I have to make, I think it's important that I then break it down in an analytical way, in a rational way. But if it's, like, if it's an insecurity and... Uh, I'm trying to give a whole lot of extra thought to it, but there's no rhyme or reason. I'm not trying to make it an action. I'm not trying to make a step. I'm just thinking for the sake of thinking. That's where I think rationale starts to turn some, some stuff sideways.
0: So what is your mission statement to creating things rational? Cause you said what you, do you have a mission statement. Cause you said you have a mission statement that you utilize to make things rational. Did I hear you correctly? Like you yeah. have to have a mission statement. So what is your mission statement?
1: Well, so I, when I say a mission statement, I don't mean a general one. I mean, for the moment, for whatever you're trying to figure out. So, for instance, let's say uh, I got a friend that I'm arguing with. OK, I can tell that he or she is feeling an emotional kind of way. And I tend to not uh, empathize with that. You know, anyone who knows me knows I'm not really empathetic in the way of emotions. Um, and so if I, go, I can go to myself, OK, I love this person dearly. I know that I want to ultimately make them happy. I can see how they're feeling. And I want to change that that might be like my mission statement. I want to come out of this, making sure this person knows they're loved, making sure this person knows that, that I want the best for, for them and, and what's best for me. Uh, but I do know there's a disconnect between the way we communicate as far as them being emotional and me being rational. So now I've got my mission statement. I know what it is I'm trying to do. So now I can use my rational process to get to that point. And sometimes that involves doing things that aren't necessarily logical that aren't rooted in logic. So for instance, sometimes it might be like, okay, I know that they don't want an answer right now. They don't want me to solve anything right now. They just want me to listen, for instance. So now that I recognize that I can now do the action that isn't necessarily rooted in logic, but it's by logic that I get there. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, That makes perfect sense to me. But how on the receiving end do those people take it? So in your head, You know, you just said that you're not really that empathetic, but you try to logically, you know, come up, approach this conversation in a way where you both can come out, I guess, good. But does that always necessarily work with somebody who's being overly emotional or emotional? Like, is your logic headbutting their emotion?
1: Uh, So, okay. so that's definitely happened to me so many times. (laughs) Um, Here's what I have learned. From, uh, from the people that I watch or the people that I, le- uh, uh, people that I listen to, um, a lot of times what I'll do, if there's a person who communicates differently differently than me, um, often it means just like they're more emotional in the moment. Uh, a lot of times it's easiest to just ask them, what is it you want to have happen here? And what do you think we should do? And that's the easiest way for me because if I'm trying to meet them where they're at, then I need them to tell me how to get there and then the only time I need to adjust the course uh, of action is, is if I can't do something they're asking me to do. And then in which case I get to go, well, I can't exactly do that, but maybe I could do this, which is just which is kind of similar to what you're asking. Um, and so that's my best way. If, I, if I'm looking at someone and I'm trying to communicate in a way that I don't know how, the best thing I can do is say, okay, well, what do you want out of this? Here's what I want out of this. What do you want out of this? If, if we can find some common ground between the two of those, okay, well, here's... Here's how I think we could get there. Do you have a way that you think we could get there? What, what would be best for you to get something out of this? And then at that point, you just got to listen.
0: So I, I want to ask you a couple questions. I kind of want to pivot, but still talking about the emotional side. And I kind of want to talk about like, because we used to live together a while ago, right? I know there were some times. Those was one, the good old days. <laughs> those <laughs> was the good old days. Everything <laughs> seemed so much easier back then than it does now.
1: It really did. We nice. paid ten seventy, dollars ten twenty-five, ten seventy-five for a three-bedroom, two full bath, and we had a washer and dryer, and a big kitchen and a big living room. It sounds unheard of. Twenty twenty done done some things.
0: It's, I think that same apartment might be worth like eighteen hundred now.
1: I believe it. Like I believe, it. and it was in a good neighborhood, and equally, it was it was amazing. Anyway, equally sorry, from
0: downtown, equally from Littleton, but just going back to like the emotion side, right? You was living with two emotional people at the time.
1: I wouldn't say Nathan was emotional.
0: You don't say Nathan was emotional. No. What?
1: I mean, more than me, more than me. But Nathan's not emotional. He's
0: not emotional. I don't think so. Defend it. <laughs> defend it. <laughs> How can I defend, that? defend it? He's a, He
1: he's the one. He, he he sharpens my mind. I don't. I wouldn't call him. I wouldn't call him a not an action at least. Just
0: because a sword can sharpen another sword doesn't mean it can't be used for another tool. Well, sure, but that don't mean he's emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I had a good statement. (laughs) That was a good statement. Okay,
1: so let's, for the sake of this, we can say he was emotional. I don't agree with that, but we can say he was emotional.
0: He was more emotional than you were. We both were more emotional.
1: Sure, he was. Absolutely.
0: So dealing with, you know, we used to have this conversation a long time ago, right? I was the most emotional one. You had Nathan, I think he was the emotional, logical one, and you were the most logical one. Thinking back, definitely since after my diagnosis, back then on that path of me being like overly emotional, are there anything that you saw or that you remember that might correlate with my current diagnosis that I have now, which is bipolar 1 mania, which makes me a maniac? we don't say that
1: it sounds bad it sounds very <laughs> bad it's
0: not bad it just that's what it is
1: it's like maybe i would have called your maniac until you were diagnosed now maniac just sounds <laughs> it sounds icky i don't like it <laughs>
0: it is um, what it is
1: uh okay so first thing i want to clarify what yeah. does it mean when we say that i'm not emotional um Obviously, I'm not a robot. I feel emotions just like everyone else. I have a lot of emotional stuff bubbling up inside me. The difference is, I just don't communicate with emotion very often. Um, that's that. That's the biggest thing. Emotion doesn't. Uh, I don't. I don't exude emotion in situations. If I'm angry, I often go go quiet before I'm explosive. Um, I I don't. You know, I don't hit things. I, I don't. I don't lash out in sadness and anger any of that stuff. So I, I feel emotion just like everyone else. I'm definitely not a robot. Um, it just means that that's not the way I communicate. I don't communicate foremost with uh, with emotion. Uh, secondly, okay. So th- this is kind of the part where I start to question how we handle mental illness. Okay. So you get diagnosed with bipolar War-mania. one Yeah.
0: There's four of them, but we how many? Yeah.
1: There's four of them. Okay. So I don't really know what bipolar. Can you explain what it is to me first, in, um. in, in like a nutshell?
0: Bipolar 1 mania is when I have an an extreme amount of energy that's not ADHD and I can, it's like goal-directed behavior, it's not sleeping, it's insomnia, all kind of wrapped up in this thing. Now, most people, when they're uh, bipolar 1, they have a severe depression stage. I don't get those. I don't get severely depressed. I'm just kind of like basically the term maniac, where there was times where I hallucinated, I didn't let you guys know that, or I was seeing things. I didn't you were know. hallucinating? Fam, yes. <laughs> Fam, there were so oh. many things I was dealing with I didn't really talk about, because I thought it was like what everybody else was doing. Everybody else did. So, like, I would see things sometimes, I wasn't there, I'm like, ah, whatever, it's cool. <laughs> and that was like little stuff that I was dealing with, so she came up with this diagnosis, okay? saying uh, bipolar mania. So it's like delusions, energy, insomnia, wrapped in a bubble, sometimes severe depression. That's what I have, from what I understand.
1: Mm, okay, okay, so here's my confusion. So I look back at who, you, who I knew, uh, much, of, much of whom it seems you are still today, um, and the nation I knew, sure, there were a few moments where you acted in a way that did surprise me. It did not seem uh, the normal way that you, or the way you would be normally acting. So there were some, some, some decisions where I go, why is he doing that? doesn't <laughs> quite make sense. He yeah. said one thing, he did the other. My issue is with attributing those moments to this now diagnosed mental illness, yes. because the same thing I just said could be applied to anyone in my life who who either doesn't have a mental illness or who isn't diagnosed. With the way and I, I, I want to start with people understanding that I, I know that I'm ignorant in this this area. I have not studied up on mental illness. Everything I'm saying is just off the cuff what I've seen, what I've observed. Um, when you I, I feel at this day and age if you were to give anyone some just give them all, give them the works as far as a mental illness test to see what they have. Everyone seems at this point to come up with something that they can be diagnosed with as far as their mental illness, um, at least in the way that it's described to me. So what you just said, you're productive. You can't really sleep very much. You have a lot of energy. Well, that describes a lot of people who are just productive, can't sleep a lot and have a lot of energy. You know, uh, you, you, Some people have depression, but you don't. That seems to also be a, a, a thing. Some people have pray, so it, it, it gets difficult for me to look like, oh, okay, I saw some things that I guess could be attributed to this new diagnosis, but I, I, I don't think the diagnosis changes any perception of you. And therefore it makes me question the purpose of the diagnosis in the first place. Like other than maybe a, a chemical alteration, if you're taking pills or something like that, that help settle you in some way. Uh, and if you feel that that helps you personally, I don't know what we get as a benefit by suddenly saying, well, Nashawn is bipolar. It feels a little too tempting to then go forward and say, well, he's he's acting weird. It might be the bipolar. You know.
0: Yes, you get that. And that's kind of why I started building this thing is because. One, sometimes I even question it myself, like one of the questions when you have bipolar one is, do you have goal directed behavior? That's what my psychiatrist says all the time. I'm like, well, well damn, yeah, I do. Like, goal-directed behavior, what's, what's going to change? Like, am I not supposed to be goal-directed? And, like, yeah. so when they And you're in the military. Me,
1: <laughs> it's, like all, it's all
0: goal-directed. It's all goal-directed. So, at the, like, when she's asking me questions like that, but that's in the DSM-5, which is where everybody gets, like, their mental illnesses, blah, 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 like, the book of mental illnesses, and that's what they follow, that's, like, one of the yeah. questions. And sometimes when it comes, like, the goal-directed behavior, it's like, oh, I want to do this, oh, I want to do this, or oh, I want to do this. Oh, I wanna do this you get all those done but i don't know when it comes like to the military i thought it was like really good and going back to what you were saying sometimes it is sometimes i'm a conspiracy theorist and i believe you know what people just there's a lot of pills on the market right now and they just need to give diagnoses to people and they make money off of it another part of me is is that I believe that people want a quick fix, so people want an answer, and sometimes that answer might be, oh, you might be mentally ill, here's this. I don't think I'm one of those people, but I was caught up in that system of people being, uh, I don't want to use the term lazy, but don't want to work as hard, or don't understand what's happening, or don't want to deal with what's happening. And so, it's kind of, like my mind gets everywhere when you make a statement like that, or when people make a statement like that, like, you know, he might be weird. Oh, let's attribute it to bipolar. No, I'm just a weird dude. On top of being bipolar.
1: <laughs> that's that's my problem. That's my problem. It's too easy. As soon as you give someone a reason, it's like uh, I, I was talking about this the other day. Yeah. It's like if you tell somebody that's trying to lose weight that now they have. Oh, oh, well, there's something in your I'm looking at your chart here and it looks like it's actually pretty difficult for you to lose weight. Yeah. Well, if, if they hear that information. And now they stop working as hard to lose weight because now they think there's a reason they can't lose the weight and it becomes even more of an impossible task. What did you just do by diagnosing them? You know, I feel like in my limited knowledge, I know there's probably some people out there who just have a chemical imbalance that just needs to be, just needs to be handled, put in balance. And then they're okay. From my understanding, that's, that's some people, but a lot of people, when they get these, uh, when they get these, this diagnosis of a mental illness, I feel like there are natural ways that you can come out of that in the same way that if you go to the doctor and you have I forget which type of diabetes is the one that you got fat. You got diabetes, Uh, but whichever whichever one that is, um, if you get to the point where you 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 chub up eating too much and now you got diabetes. Well, get your ass in the gym, start eating right. You can pull yourself out of that. You got a diagnosis that says it's a problem, but you can you can work out and get and get. Now I know that not all mental illnesses are like that. Some are more extreme than others. Some exactly. are some are uh, some are you know like I said chemical imbalances. But you told me in a conversation we had a while ago that 2020 is bringing up a lot of mental illnesses, or people are having mental illnesses that yeah. they didn't have before. Yeah. Which 7%. which which worries me. Because if it's they had it, but we didn't know, that's one thing. But if it's they have it now because they're just stuck at home, well, doesn't that just mean that their their mental environment changed and that they might not have been prepared for that, or they're not adjusting for the, the different the different environment that their mind is in? You know, are are there ways to get out of that, or are, are there ways to sharpen your mind, are there ways to to strengthen your mind, to 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 adjust for whatever whatever imbalance is happening, not on a chemical level. And that's, that's not a rhetorical question. It's, it's a real question. You know, you as someone who is definitely more articulate in this field, what do you think?
0: Um, now, I'm going to sound ignorant myself because I'm still new to this, right? So I'm going to use an example. I was taking Seroquel. Seroquel, it says you gain fat. I've gained some pounds. My girlfriend said, hey, I know you're taking Seroquel, but you're not really eating right. You're not really doing the right things. So that's why you're gaining weight. You go into the gym, but you're not supplementing it with the things that you eat. And I was like, you know what? You're right. So what I did is went to a plant-based lifestyle. I'm on a plant-based lifestyle right now. Trying, it's hard. I'm going to let you know. Not eating steak, not eating bacon, not eating all the them. I had a hard. steak
1: last night, man. That's difficult. That's it's difficult.
0: It's hard. But
1: that's I don't think I could do it.
0: On the other side, I just saw that I lost five pounds that I gained. Like, I'm losing it. Like, I see it on my body now, and so it's like, okay, so I'm on this circle that says that it's going to make you fat, but all I did was just change the way my eating habits work out the same, and I lost the weight. So I think some people will be like, because I'm taking this thing, it's going to make me do this, so I don't have to work for it. But on the other hand, I do believe, like, When your mental environment changes, people hate change. We like we know this and stuff. And when you are when the world changes on a dime, you can't work anymore. You can't can't feed yourself or your children. You're losing your house. I don't think people are ready to take that amount of stress so quickly, which spikes the rates, because if you're taking so much in at once, there's only like a point where you can take it in before you break. So maybe people were already at a breaking point. People were already living paycheck to paycheck. People were already like, dang, I'm working 10, 12 hours just trying to make it through. Maybe people were, wasn't in the middle class. Maybe they were in a, a lower socioeconomic class and they were already there. And statistically, it shows that as well. And then you drop COVID on them. People all struggling. There's a, there's 20 different fights for 50 different groups going on and that's why I think it could be supplemented by that like dang so many people are fighting for so many things at once plus all these things are happening and so I think people were already at a limit and then the final needle dropped or the pin dropped on a haystack or whatever that phrase is and then everything just went kaput and then people are freaking out so it's one where people probably probably not working hard enough basically a long way of saying people probably not working hard enough like they could be or it was just too much to handle at once and they broke. And they broke. So I can see why people can be like, I can see why the numbers spiked. I mean, once people had to really sit with themselves and deal with themselves, it's hard. Definitely, you got nowhere else to go. If you have nowhere else to go and you only thinking about what's in your life and yourself, People try to avoid that on a daily basis. So if they're trying to avoid that on a daily basis, and now they have to sit with it for months on end, that could have been the reason. Now, I don't know if that—if I believe that. But then again, I'm a fighter. You know. I said, "Hey, this is this is what you guys going to label me as? I'm going to go with it, rock with it, make a business out of it." Not a lot of people are like that.
1: Yeah, here's what, here's, what, here's what's frustrating to me, okay? I always think about the pros and cons of, of of being diagnosed with mental illnesses, right? And I still do feel strongly, and I haven't been presented with um, an, an opposing opinion yet that, that sways me, that unless it's, again, a chemical imbalance that just needs to be adjusted. You, you have low serotonin or whatever it is, and you need to just get that up, whatever the, the chemical imbalance is, and you just need to get that adjusted, and now you're good to go. Now you're operating at what is deemed the appropriate level of chemicals in one's body. Um, Outside of that, is it possible that people just have a circumstantial discontentment? I don't know if discontentment is a word, but I said it. Um, Is it possible that people should start thinking in the way of, okay, I've got this circumstantial depression. What that means is I'm depressed because this, 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 or I'm sad because this, 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 this. I'm angry because this, 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 this. And if you don't want to be sad, if you don't want to be discontent, if you don't want to be depressed, if you don't want to be angry. Well, if you if you go in it saying, well, what are what is causing these things? I'm stuck at home too much. I don't have a job. I don't have enough friends in my life. Well, then those are things you have within your control. Those are things you should be going out there and handling. And if you get a diagnosis that just says, well, you're this way because you have this. I feel like it gets in the way of that process of looking at, well, why am I in this situation and feeling this way? It stops you from, or well, stops a lot of people, it seems, from looking back and saying, here's everything that I don't like, here's everything causing me this issue, I'm gonna take it down one by one. If I'm not happy with my body, let me start working on that. If I'm not happy, you know, if I'm just feeling like I'm angry all the time, There's certain, let me, let me try meditation. Let me try working out. Let me try yoga. People aren't attacking their circumstances that are causing whatever they're feeling. Um, and I feel like when they're given a diagnosis, it's too easy to go, Oh, that's the reason. So there's not something I need to change because it's just how I'm going to be. So give me the pills, you know? Um, and I, and I, I worry, I worry that that's how things are handled. I don't have statistics. I don't have, a, a crazy amount of people in my life who, who have who've gone this way. I just know that I've, I've seen a few circumstances. Um, I've, I've read up a little bit on it and it seems dangerous to tell people there's a reason that they're feeling some kind of way and that they don't have the power to change it outside of a pharmaceutical solution.
0: Have you seen the social dilemma?
1: Nope. Everyone heard of it.
0: Okay. You should go watch that and I had a really good point. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's about how the big tech companies were able to move the world population one percent by marketing them in their own reality. Right? So what do you mean move them one percent? So as an example, if we were standing beside each other, our realities are different based off on our, our social media. Whatever you see is totally different from what I see, right? So that is the case, and it has been statistically proven from teen girls to adults when it comes to their social media. The way that we are affected by social media really dictates how our reality is. The reason why I'm bringing that up is what happens if you've been trying to search for an answer for a very long period of time, but your reality changed? because of what you were seeing on a daily basis like hey i'm feeling this way i'm feeling this way and i'm feeling this way but you're putting that into your phone your phone is marketing to you the things that you it might think may help you and that might be pharmaceuticals that might be therapists that might be you know that bipolar diagnosis that might help answer those things for you because what i think is happening is when people are feeling this way they don't know if anybody else is feeling that way. They just want to be accepted by another group of individuals or people. So yeah. their reality is different. And so I don't want to just say that people may not be working to get out of their comfort zone if they don't even know they're in one. But that's also, yeah. that could be used as an excuse. But if you're always seeing this, your reality is different. And that's why I said at the beginning, The way I look at Facebook and the way you look at Facebook is totally different. You might find the Jordan Petersons, the Ben Shapiros, the Joe Rogans, the Jocko Willings, and the Tim Kennedys, Why somebody else might find this is why you're bipolar, this is why you're depressed, this is why you're sad, this is what's happening, here are the statistics. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's it's kind of rough.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's kind of a whole, like, it's the nurture kind of concept, you know, um, I'm on one of your podcasts. I, I heard you talking about how, uh, you grew up where you, you just, you, you fall and, and someone kind of tells you that you need to get back up. I was Thank the same see. way there, there was no, there was no, if you're crying, you better did you, you break Who's, something. Who? Do you need stitches? <laughs> yeah. Do you, <laughs> you know, cause if you don't, we'll get up, you know? And, um, and although there is a, a toxicity to that, and we we'll, we'll, we can talk about that. Um, a little later, but there is, there is a certain strength that it builds up. And what it does is it makes you not assume that there's an easy way out and that the way out is going to be by your own actions that you, you need to pull yourself out of this somehow. Um, there is, so I, one of my fondest memories, um, is back in the day when I used to go to these Christian camps, um, like, like 12, 13 years ago, we would all go here, and we'd go to these places. There's one in Durango, and I think uh, one in, in some place. Beautiful place in the wilderness, great time, and there's hundreds of people there, right? And we had our group who would be, like, from Colorado, and then we'd have these groups. They were from Texas, and some people came down from Wyoming, and, and they're, like, there all these different groups, right? And it was crazy because we were all there doing the same activities. Everybody's doing the same stuff, having a blast, having a great time, Getting to mingle, like getting to just know people. But it was crazy because you look around and it's very easy to go. Well, we came from Colorado, so I assume that everyone else kind of did the same thing. Yeah. You know, oh, we just drove two hours, then we're going to drive two hours back home, whatever. And uh, and you and you have all these people, and yet you, you ask them, and you realize that oh, oh, I had to catch a plane from here, or we had to drive six hours from here. Everyone had a different way of how they got to the same place, right? Yeah. And it it it's a it's a weird. And ultimately, unimportant thing to realize, but it was kind of weirdly fascinating to be like we're all in the same place, and yet everyone took a different road to get here. And I feel like in 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 a lot of ways, when it comes to mental illness, we need to ha- we need we need to view things through that same light. Like when you tell someone, when you tell someone that they can't that there's a roadblock in their way. They have a mental illness that's going to stop them doing something. Just that dialogue, just the way that you say that, the framework you say that, and the way that society views those things, they immediately suggest something is wrong with you. Something needs to be corrected about you. Okay, Like with you as a person, I would never say that there's something that's wrong with you. I would say there's things that you can be better at. Like, the, okay, there might be a few things I can talk about, but <laughs> yeah, that's, but, uh, but as far as this bipolar stuff goes, I would never look at you and say, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, I could see that, that that was what's for." No, I just think that there's, that every one of us have an opportunity to do something better, right? So what we need to teach is that if you're going to have a mental illness, that's not a roadblock. It just means you need to take a different road to get there. You might need to drive a little further than someone else. You know, if you want to get to that same camp, someone had to go two two hours. Someone lived in the same town. Someone had to drive across the country. Someone had to get in the plane. Like there's a, a multiple, there's multiple different ways, different ways to get there will be harder than others. And that's an unfortunate circumstance if you're in there. But if you want to get there, it is possible. And I feel like too many times these diagnoses, these diag- uh, is that the way you say it?
0: Diagnosis? Diagnosis. Um,
1: they, they too often act as roadblocks rather than just a detour rather than just a different road to take to get to the same place might take a little longer. Sure. But that's, that's, that's easy. You know, uh, not easy, but it's, it's, it's doable. Um, and that's what I don't like about it. That's what I like about the, the the culture around not only people diagnosing others, but also the way that society views it. If you have a mental illness, there's something wrong with you. There's something that you can't do. And I, I just don't like that. I don't think it's healthy.
0: Yeah. Um So tell me more about cuz we were talking about it before. Tell me more about how you can be so logical when it's super emotional. You was talking about stoic uh stoic sto- stoic is stoicism? Stoicism? Yeah, stoicism before. <laughs> but think... what are what are like Who taught you that first off? How would you even figure that out? And why did you start doing it?
1: Uh, Hold on one second. Someone at
0: the door. We don't
1: know who it is. Who? Hold on one second.
0: No, you good. I'm fixing the stream as well, so.
1: All right, sorry about that.
0: No, you're good. you good? Uh, package package you got time. delivered.
1: <laughs> okay, um, sorry. Say the question again. How how to do, how do
0: how, do you how study, did I learn in how do you learn stoicism?
1: Uh, okay, to be honest with me, I don't think I learned it intellectually. I think I learned it off of survival. Um, mm-hmm. I was in a Oh, apparently uh, Amanda says on the, it the link that you click. Yeah, it froze oh, for it froze? a second. Yeah. Is it back?
0: It's back. It should be.
1: All right. Um. Uh, I think I learned it off of survival, man. So I'm I'm doing this I'm doing this piece right now. I'm working on a a video. You know, uh, we've talked about it, where I'm talking about what it was like growing up without a father. Um, and the opposition to that is that I grew up with a single black mother. You know, pregnant 15, have me 16 kind of situation. And so she was having to she was having to learn certain things as I was learning certain things. You're 15, you don't learn there's a lot of life lessons you still have. So we we and her have talked about it where she was growing up as I was growing up. We were both growing up at the same time. And I think that in the way that I grew up in the in the environment that I grew up, being emotional just wasn't gonna cut it. Being emotional allows for too many mistakes. Being emotional allows for for if you want something to get done. If you're if you're screaming or you're crying or you're doing any of these things that are emotional outbursts, it just doesn't get the job done. No one listens to you. No one takes you seriously. No one no one engages you in a a serious way unless it is to meet you at the same level of emotion. You know, and I think I learned and this is just me guessing. I I I think I learned at a young age that if you wanted to be heard, you had to find a better way to communicate. And when you get emotional, be it sadness, be it anger, whatever it is, you be the biggest issue is people begin to fail at proper communication. Now, if you want to, if you want to get that done, well, ha, what is what is the equation for that? That's when I started listening to certain people. You know, I'm a big fan of uh, you know Jordan Peterson. Uh, I, I, as much as he's controversial, I like the thought process of Ben Shapiro. Um, there's a, there's a lot of people that I started just kind of looking at and being like, I want to. Uh, Barack Obama is a fantastic one. The ability to, to just take your time and think about it, you know, um, I think it was survival, man. I think that that's, that's, I figured if I wanted to be taken seriously, there was one way to make it happen. And that was to control my emotions in those situations. And then it just kind of stuck. It really stuck. And then it started to be my default. So in situations where I think it would be okay to, to show those emotions uh, there were a lot of moments where I refused to in, in a moment where I, I probably should. Um, but yeah, I think that's how I'm surviving though.
0: Like, cause sometimes, no, 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 no. You sure? I don't, I don't,
1: I, I mean, yeah, I'm surviving for sure, but not in the same way. Like now, um, like it felt before you're surviving in those early vulnerable years, you're surviving. It feels like you're still a youngin, you know, you you, you, you you, you haven't built up your strength. You haven't learned how to fight properly. You haven't learned what's good and bad. Who's who's? Where are the predators at? Where's this at? Um, now, I feel better equipped for this stuff. So I'm still in the fight, but I don't feel like I'm necessarily just surviving. I'm not learning how to survive. I'm learning how to get better uh, at, at the things that I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm increasing the quality of my survival, I guess you could say. Um, but I definitely don't feel that same, like, kind of clinging for anything to figure out a way to, to, to get out of whatever situation I was put in quite, quite as much.
0: Quick question left field. You ever seen a therapist?
1: No, but I really want to, there was a time where I kept having issues with, um, where I hated how logical I was. I hated that. I couldn't just, I couldn't stop breaking shit down. I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Like I couldn't just be in the moment emotionally. Um, And I wanted to talk to someone about it. I wanted to see what they thought about it and what their, what their opinions uh, were on it. Um, Yeah, no, I'm not against it at all. I think a therapist would be a great idea. Just something I haven't done.
0: That's why I asked you, are you still surviving? Um, I know that's like a weird way of asking that question, but when I was seeing therapists, one of the things that she was telling me is that the reason why I'm acting some ways is that I'm always in a state of survival. So it's always when something happens, boom! I need to survive now. It's not like oh, I can be emotional. It's okay. It's fine. It's like no, it's fight or flight. I have to look at things differently. And so sometimes you, if you think that you can't fight, you fly, right? And so it was always like the state of survival. And she was trying to teach me, hey, it's okay to be in the in between when you always have these super extremes from survive or fly or fight or you know fight or flight, then that is what's hindering a lot of your relationships. Because if something goes left field and you're like, man, I ain't got to deal with this no more. That's not necessarily good for your mental health. But that was my survival instinct. Because as you know, you've done it as well. You've lived with a multitude of families or lived with people. <laughs> I lived with yes, a multitude of people myself, but mine my we both family, just popping around, <laughs> popping around. But that was our survival. It was like, oh, you know, uh, because black people have an innate. (laughs) There is a joke (laughs) by this guy, by Joe Budden. He says black people have an innate way of knowing when trouble's on the way and getting out of (laughs) (laughs) it. I'm I'm, I'm a dip. I'm a dip real quick. I'm just going to sit in the car real quick. I'm going to just chill. So (laughs) in that, but that's that sense of survival. Our innate feature of looking at, hey, something's about to go down. I got a dip. Might be our hindrance because we don't know what would have happened in that in between. That's why I asked you if you're just surviving still.
1: Um. Okay. So I don't know if I'm surviving, but here's one. Of, here's what I know. One of my weaknesses are. I, I operate in a way of like, because I do try to put things together like an equation, as if there's a definite answer. I always operate off of, did I make the best option possible? Did I do the best thing that I was supposed to do? Now, let me explain the stupidity of how deep this can go. <laughs> there was one time where I was, I don't even remember the exact setup of it, but it was it as simple as I forgot something in the car.
0: Yeah.
1: And I needed to go get something in the house. And my brain was going back and forth about what is the best way to make this trip in the least amount of trips possible. And it wasn't that I didn't have the time. It wasn't that I was feeling lazy. It wasn't that it was anything difficult to carry. It was that it bothered me if I didn't make the best, the decision that made the most sense. It bothered me. (laughs) That's a dumb thing to be going through, that's a dumb thing to be like sitting there like, what is the most reasonable way? What makes sense? And then I was pissed because I was like, I did the wrong thing. This actually ended up being more trips. Why did I make that decision? That was stupid of me. And, and that, that's a basic way. It is a weakness of mine in many ways that I can't, I, I have to think about things so much before. Before I act, I have to make sure that there is the least amount of chance that I'm making a mistake. And sometimes you're just meant to make a mistake. You're just meant to do it and learn from it.
0: So how are you about taking risk? How do you, take, uh, how do you handle risk? It de- it, de-
1: it depends a lot on what the risk is. I definitely have a lot of, you know, effort moments, just let's do it. Let's see what happens. Uh, you and I have had a lot of those moments where we're yeah. just like, whatever happens, happens. You know, we in it. Um, but, but the issue is, I think I'm good with risk because I feel confident in myself that I can kind of, I can, I can, I got good footwork, you know, okay. uh, I, I've, I feel like I've learned a lot I've in the ways that if I put myself, in, uh, <laughs> I, if I get in a situation that I'm, I'm not used to or a situation where I, I'm, you know, uh, at a disadvantage, I I feel comfortable trying to rise above that and and still have a quick feat. So I think I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty good with risk. Okay. I just hate when I'm making a decision. There's a difference between not knowing what the decision is and knowing that I could have found the right decision. You know what I'm saying? Like a a risk to me is I don't know what's going to happen. Let's go into it. That's a risk, right? But it's a difference when I think that I'm supposed to know what the best option is. If I think I'm supposed to know, it will kill me if I make the wrong decision.
0: Okay, so I'm about to challenge your stoicism and your risk assessments. This is how. You got a car. Hey, Freddie, I think I can sell your car for $3,000. I think I can flip that to $5,000, and I think I can get your car back. Are you willing to take that risk?
1: Brother, you sound like a scam, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me do a better Let's, make one, let me, let's <laughs> make one thing clear. You sound like somebody who's going to take everything and run. Who – do I know you? Where'd you come from? How'd you get my name? <laughs> okay. All
0: right. So it's me. I, I'm going to do a better one. It's me. Hey, Freddie, I need capital so we can buy real estate. It's going to take about a week. I can flip it, and give you your money back. The only way for us to raise capital for this flip and sell is for you to sell your car. I have this buyer, but I need all your trust because you're not going to meet the buyer of this real estate flip. Can you sell your car and I'll get you your money back in a week?
1: Okay. So to me, that is a, that is a, there's, there's a lot of layers to that. First of all, there's a layer of trust. I'd have to figure out how much do I trust you? Uh, Not only how much do I trust you as a person, but how much do I trust your credentials? How much do I trust that you know what you're doing? Because you can mean well, you can mean every single word you're saying, but if you just, if you suck at what you're doing, it still could go poorly. Right. And then I got to look at what is, what is, what is it I'm looking to gain versus what is it looking, uh, what is it I'm looking at gaining and what is it I'm looking at losing? It's the same idea actually when you play poker, right? If you're looking at something and you don't know if you have a, a good enough hand to beat them and their, their their stack is smaller than yours, well, what you eventually end up saying is, okay, well, I don't have a lot to gain from them. The amount that I'm gaining isn't worth the amount that I'm going to possibly lose. And in that situation, it wouldn't necessarily be worth it. Now, if you were like, I'm going to do this flip and the, the, the I'm going to get your car back. I'm going to sell it the 3000 flip if we get the 5000 blah, blah, So that means that we have a $2,000 thing and we can change that. And potentially it might be four times, whatever. If I believe that you were good at what you can do and I believe in you and I, you've convinced me that this is a solid plan, then I'm willing to take that risk because what I'm going to gain is way bigger than what I might lose.
0: Do you trust people easy though? Why should you? Okay. The reason why I'm asking you these questions is because I'm looking at your logical and reasoning, right? And I'm kind of challenging it to see where, because I want, I want people to see how you're going to break things, these things down. That make logical sense. But then at a certain point when you're taking a risk, there's an emotion side to it. There's an emotional investment sometimes in a risk where it's like I just got to do it. I have to Understand that there's a risk involved and I have to understand I might get mad if I lose, but I might be happy if I win. But there's sometimes an emotional investment to that as well. So that's why I'm asking these questions to see, OK, at what at what point does it become emotional for you? Because every risk they sell, they say not to get emotion involved. But that's the thing about risk is that there's always emotion involved. And that's why I'm asking you where. Where do you see in this line of your arguments where you think you'll get emotional? Everything is going right. Everything goes right in this deal. So where does an emotion come into play?
1: Um, in that deal in particular, I don't think emotion would be anything that I, that would be involved unless it turned into like uh, an issue between you and I personally, hmm. um, if you, let's say, I've been trying to ask questions, but you haven't been answering, or something like that, then it becomes a hey, I got a lot on the line right here. You need to understand that we need to be a constant patient or something like that. So it has to become more of a personal issue rather than the decision itself involves some kind of emotion, um, because it gets pretty difficult to involve emotion in a, in a decision, in a decision like that, um, because there's what, what, where's the where's the spot for the emotion, you know? other than either the excitement or the fear of, of loss and everything. The, the idea is to not let emotion control what your actions are without you thinking it through. That's the basic concept. In this particular situation, unless, like, for, let's say that, like, I needed my car. Like, you're going to do this deal, but I need my car within a week. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's too much of a risk. I've got too much fear going on in that situation. I know that if I don't have my car in a week, I can't have that happen because either whatever's happening next week is something that's too important. I can't miss that thing. And if you don't have this thing sold within a week, my car, then I'm going to be royally screwed. That'd be a situation where my fear would play too much into anyway, it, And that's a risk I'm not willing to take. But I think that's a calculated risk. And I think I think that's within reason. Hmm.
0: All right. Well, we're getting close to because I know you got to go here soon. I do want to ask one last question. Are we wrapping up already? We could. OK. okay. I mean, if you got some time, we can keep going. I told you to do life for like an I hour. got a little I got you got I got a little bit of time okay yeah. okay so then I asked two questions one tell me about some projects that you're working on tell me about Freddie because we talked about a lot about mental health but I just want to have like a Freddie segment real quick and tell me what's go- first off wait a minute backspace uh did you feel that earthquake
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> yes uh me and <laughs> Me and my uh, me and my girlfriend were getting ready for bed, <laughs> and uh, my roommate Taylor is yeah. terrified of earthquakes. Terrified. <laughs> uh, and we're literally getting in bed, and as soon as we felt it, I said, "Oh, we got to go get Taylor." <laughs> and then, of course, her door opens up, and she's just, you "Guys, feel that? Did you feel
0: something?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, hold on, I gotta. I, I, got a funny, wait,
1: I got a funny story about me. We, we were me and her, we were watching a movie. We were watching Midsummer. Okay. Um which was a good movie, but it was a terrible scary movie. It didn't scare us at all. But we were watching it, right? And uh we're at this this big theater and we're in reclining chairs. It's it's a, probably about a half empty theater. And I went and I, I got myself a, a nice corona with a, a big old squeeze of lime. It costs like eight dollars. Costs like eight dollars for one beer it, the, the movie theater is 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 daylight robbery um but anyway so i get the beer we're sitting down and next thing you know everything starts shaking everything starts shaking and it's an earthquake and she looks at me she was like do you, do you feel that and i was like yeah i was like yeah, we'll, we'll wait to see what everybody else does and we'll keep start leaving we'll go and so everyone starts getting up and leaving the theater so she gets up and you can see the panic in her face you can see that she is freaking out I get up very slowly. She is upset at how slow that I'm getting out of this chair. I get up very slowly, and we start walking out of the theater, and about halfway out of the theater, I go, ah, forgot my beer. <laughs> and I walk all the way back, grab the beer, and I was like, look, the beer costs $8. I'm not leaving it behind, okay? <laughs> if, if we're about to die from an earthquake, I want to drink a man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of a time where – uh I was uh with my homie and uh in Italy and we're sleeping and the fire you alarm. Can just goes say that. Huh?
1: I said because you could just say that. Yeah, we are just was... chilling in Italy. Little <laughs> day trip.
0: <laughs> what hey man, it is what it is. I'm in Europe. It's they're super close. We're <laughs> we're in bed and the fire alarm goes off. I'm like, yo, yo, there might be a fire. And she's like, man, we die, we die. She just rolls over. <laughs> She was like, ain't nobody moving, ain't nobody going nowhere. (laughs) I'm like, you want me to go check? She's like, nah, I'm good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There might be a fight. If we die, we die, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready to. (laughs) That's a you made a bold decision for the two of us.
0: (laughs) It was like 10 o'clock too, so it wasn't like it was like super early.
1: (laughs) Jesus.
0: Oh man. But don't tell me. Tell me more about Freddie's project, uh projects and stuff like that.
1: Okay, so there's there's I'm actually pretty excited about this one I'm working on. That you you already know about this, but then there's another one that I'm pretty excited about. So, um, I am writing a piece. So I made the George Floyd piece, right? Yes, and sir. I really enjoyed the process of of, of making it. That was that felt more like it was out of necessity. Um, but I really enjoyed that process, and it stretched my mind a little bit. I had to think about a lot of things and really structure them and break them down. And so I want to I kind of just keep doing that. I want to be able to, to stretch my mind, challenge some concepts, really analyze certain things about myself, and then maybe in the long run that can uh, turn into to, you know, having thoughts about some broader concepts. But my first piece is talking about my life growing up without a father. Um, because I think I have not necessarily unique situation, uh, particularly. What situation.
0: Would you, would you say you have a unique situation?
1: Okay. Well, well, there's a lot of people without fathers is my point. Um, and, uh, I, I feel like I, I did grow up in a unique, I had a unique perspective. I feel like as a child, um, and either way, I'm doing a piece about what, what I went through growing up without a father and kind of how I survived that and, and the different phases I went through. Um, the phases being apathy, then, uh, then jealous, jealousy, uh, anger, and then finally peace. So I'm kind of doing that. And then I, I called my mom yesterday and I was asking her a lot of questions. I was like, hey, I just want to clarify. This is my memory. This is how I remember these things. Are these true? Luckily, everything I remembered as a child were true. And then I asked her if she would be willing, because my mom, she had you know, pregnant 15, had me 16, very young, single black woman. Um, she had a whole host of issues that she was dealing with, some kind of post-traumatic stress situations from from, uh, from her mom. And I mean, her butted heads in a lot of ways, but I got a lot of my strength from her. I got a lot of my stubbornness from her. But and, uh, there's just so much there. And I asked her if she would be willing to have an open discussion and an open interview and I would like to film it um, because I want I want to one to be able to look back on it and kind of kind of dissect that myself. But she is willing to sit down with me and just talk about what things were like from us, you know, get my perspective on situations, get her perspective on situations. And and, uh, and yeah. And so those are those are the two newest projects that i that I'll be working on. And I'm pretty excited about.
0: Go ahead and plug your podcast.
1: Uh, well, the podcast, it ain't up yet, technically. But we yes, I, I'll be doing a podcast. Um, I don't know exactly what the name's going to be yet. We're, we're, we're thinking about some things. I, I got an idea, but some people don't like it. Um, but I'll be doing a podcast. I got a podcast both with me and a buddy of mine, Tyler. And then uh, I'll have a podcast. I'll have an audio form of any of the YouTube videos that I put up going over these pieces. Um, that'll kind of sort of be podcast form. Um, so yeah, I, I, we'll have a lot more solid stuff in the next coming weeks. But, uh, but yeah, that's what's going on.
0: Okay, you had to choose one person because I've been thinking about this a lot. You had to choose one person as your mentor and a person that you can talk to. You have a sit-down, two-hour discussion with. You have Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, Kevin Hart, Dwayne Johnson, or... Oh, Jesus. Peter ...Shapiro. I don't, and okay, take him out. Take him take out. Him out. I, I don't know. How you feel about them? Nah, take him out. I feel out. like I feel like I need one more person. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna stick with those four. I'm gonna stick with those four. Denzel. People. Ooh. Okay, Denzel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, my answer is Denzel. I'm kidding. No, no, no. Look, okay. Oh, that's a hard one. Okay, I'm gonna take The Rock out. Okay. Wow. Now that's now. Okay, first of all, I know it's it sounds ridiculous. That was a hard decision, even though it came quick. I love The Rock. His his work ethic is great. Everything about him is great. He has so much motivation. He's, he's a chill dude. But I never follow him for his mind. And anyone I would sit down and have a conversation with, I want to pick apart their mind. So I would take him out. Ooh, Kevin Hart's kind of in that same boat, but I got a little more interest in him because I...
0: Do you know I got two hours Shift with him. Is? Who? Peter Schiff.
1: No, okay. I think you're making up names.
0: No, 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 no. I'm not. <laughs> I'm trying to think about great intellectuals um, of our era right now who are speaking on a. I
1: think I, I think I'd have to go with Jordan Peterson.
0: I think I would. He's too, too damn smart. He's and got. Already.
1: He's. I think. I think he could unravel me in a second and tell me things I've never thought about myself. You know, I think he would give me a lot of insight about about what's going on with freddie that freddie don't even realize um and i think that would that he would probably be the one i would so, think
0: so are you more about perspective or motivation
1: perspective i think motivation is subjective Different things motivate people um sometimes like not having motivates sometimes having motivates you know having but not losing it again motivates um like, if I want to lose weight, I'm the kind of person who looks in the mirror and says, oh, you, you're a little fatty fat. Want to keep being a little fatty fat? Lose the weight. <laughs> you, you know, that doesn't work for everybody. Some people need to look in the mirror and go, you can do it. You have, you have, you got it in you. You have what it takes, big boy. <laughs> All right, so when And I'm I, just not...
0: <laughs> when I lived on Galena Street, I'm not going to lie, I was one of those people. So before I got muscular... There's two things yeah. happened. Uh, it was you and it was Mason. Both of y'all pissed me off. Here's how- <laughs> <laughs> Mason during the, the car breakup was like, "Hey, you don't work hard enough," and that stuck with me till this day. I talked to Mason about it. Everything's cool with me and him. I just want to tell him that he inspired me because I never want anybody ever, ever, ever in my life ever tell me again, hey, "I don't work hard enough." And Two. When you laughed at me, said so i never hit 185. Boy, you pissed me off, too. <laughs> you did it. You did it. I was on a mission, and it took a long damn time. At least you know it's realistic and real. And, like, I wasn't, like, taking steroids. It took me.
1: Absolutely. It took five. I think it took me five years Six. before you told me you hit 185. Six? Yeah. Six. Yeah. But that's what I'm long saying. Journey. See, some people hear something negative about them and they turn it into something, okay, I'm proven wrong. That's motivation for them, okay? Um, and and that, was, that was what was motivation for you and a, a lot of times motivation for me. Uh, but other people don't work that way. So in that way, I think perspective is a little more important because perspective uh, is, is something that you can look at everyone and everyone has a unique perspective. Whether you agree with it, whether you uh, even find complete value in it, everyone has a unique and different perspective uh, than you. And so if you can if you can take apart everyone's perspective or just get a little insight to different people's perspective, you can decide what motivates you. You know, you don't necessarily need someone else to motivate you. If you got a little bit of fire in, 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 in yourself, then you can let certain things like The Rock, you know, he's up early. That's awesome. I like that. That motivates me. But what you need as far as something that's going to stick to you, something that's going to stay with you is that perspective. You need to break down different perspectives. And more importantly, you need to have your own perspective locked down. You need to know how you're viewing things, what what you're viewing like, you need to have that on line.
0: So from your perspective, what if you could change any type of policy, or have a rule or a law that you can implement from your perspective, what would you implement? There's a lot of things that's happening right now. There's a lot that people are dealing with, <laughs> with right now, um, from trying to get their unemployment benefits to people out in the streets protesting, to people just needing something to help them. Even now, the is this, is this like, is this like perfect
1: world, mm-hmm. like kind of fantasy situation? Or is this like, uh, is this like something that I could put on legislation with like right now kind of thing?
0: So I want you to answer both. One is so, cause I, like I say on every podcast, I am, when I interview people, I'm trying to get illicit demands and I'm trying to get a back catalog account, uh, of demands, and if I can group it all together into one demand, boom, I will do that. And then also, an unrealistic expectation that might be a realized expectation, if that makes sense. So it might be unrealistic now, but we don't know what's gonna happen in the next 30 years. We saw what happened in this past 10 years, and our entire life world changed, right? Because of social media, so obviously, in the next 10 years, or the future 10 years, there could be an unrealistic expectation that we have now, can actually be realized so both
1: yeah okay so the number one thing i think and i I wouldn't know exactly how to write this in but i would think accountability um accountability is something that i think that every uh, facet needs to of of our government of our society needs to be uh, adjusted or looked at or, or, or trimmed something um there's too many situations where either people in power be they cops be they ceos be they celebrities be they just someone's boss whatever it is um they can get away with things because there's not enough accountability they don't have accountability to the people um people don't have enough accountability to themselves or to the the job or task at hand uh there just needs to be more accountability if someone says something or does something that we as a society has deemed inappropriate or wrong or or uh or cruel evil then they need to be held accountable to those actions to their words uh, uh, all of those things you know too many people get uh, get away scot-free um, in those ways. Right now, we obviously see that happening a lot with police brutality, uh, but we see it in all areas, be it political, uh, interpersonal, relationships. It is everywhere. People need accountability to something.
0: How would you, you know, when you say accountability, so let's try to see if we can realize this in something tangible. When you say accountability, how would you start that? Would it be like a union A union type thing where each individual uh industry has their own union of accountability partners where they all the union is focusing on it's not like the workers union but it's making sure people either be the workers union and the corporation are accountable for things is it something like that or do you have like something different in mind when you talk about accountability
1: the best the best way i could say it and i guess in a lot of ways uh jobs do this with just the rules and and regulations of the jobs themselves, but um, when we moved into our apartment, although it didn't necessarily go perfectly uh, with this, but we did, we did something that a lot of people deem crazy, but I still think it was a great thing to do. We all sat down with a big piece of paper. We put our John Hancocks on a list of rules that we all agreed on. Um, we, we said, these are the apartment rules that we believe, all three of us think that these are solid rules. All three of us at this table right now say we agree to following these rules, signatures. And that allows for there to be some sort of like, hey, this thing didn't happen. You, you said you would do this thing. We agreed to these rules. There needs to be accountability here. So like, for instance, with us, it was as simple as, uh, and again, we didn't really follow. But if, if your dishes were in the sink for over 24 hours, you're responsible for everybody's dishes. And they had to be cleaned within the next 24 hours. Well, I forgot you know? that rule, but so it, I know I broke it. <laughs> <laughs> we, do, we all broke it. We all broke it. We tried. We tried. Um, but you know, that was our way of being like, Hey, we agree to this, this lifestyle. We agree to this creed, this doctrine. If we break that, then, then we're going to be held accountable because we're, we're all, we're all agreeing to this. Um, there, there's ways that works. There's rules of a job, you know, there's sexual harassment and things like that. But I think there's a little too many ways for people to get out of, of that. I, I'm, I don't, I don't think I'm either smart enough or just wisened to the to the different industries to give you an exact here's how to implement it i know it's a lot more tricky than just put it in um i just think that like yeah, in in one way what is it uh, oh what is the immunity that cops have Do you know what the name of it is
0: i can only only one i think about is like diplomatic immunity but i know that's not it it's
1: not it's, it. Well, it's some kind of immunity where they themselves personally cannot be sued i believe um and it makes it very easy for them to act in ways that are not deemed uh, deemed OK. And they're they're very safe themselves. Um, and I heard that one of those, though, that's one of the things that could be altered.
0: Qualified immunity.
1: Qualified immunity. I believe that's it. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know exactly how to do it, um, but that's 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 one of the big things. If We're talking like fantasy. I wish there was a way that at least if two people are having a discussion, that they could just turn on, flip a switch, whatever it is, that says from here on out, all bullshit's out the window. We cannot lie, you know? I wish there was a way that you could know that even, like our president, for instance, and I don't mean just Trump in particular, I mean any president. Wouldn't it be great if there was a, Joe Roman actually was just talking about this on his podcast. So it wouldn't be great if there was a way to just know that like real time fact checking, real time, undeniable, universal truth. If you say something, you can immediately be told if that's just not true. And I wish, I know it's impossible. This is why we're talking fantasy. I wish that was a thing we could do because people, people love distorting the truth or putting their own agenda on it or whatever it is. And I can't stand it.
0: Think that's going to get harder and harder now definitely with like let's say going back to the Joe Rogan podcast and they were talking about like the American psychology I forgot it's like foundation corporation or whatever it is um, you know the American psychology school of thought where they're going so left that it's hindering on some truths that's realized as an example this is from the Joe Rogan podcast when, <laughs> when they're talking about what makes a man and there we're talking about genitalia, but the American psychology, whatever, I think it's foundation, I'm gonna call it a foundation just for the sake of this conversation. The foundation says to be a man, you don't need the genitalia of a man. Are we now, (laughs) are we now skewing what truth is? So if you're saying as a man, if we're talking about the man biological system, I don't need the genitalia that makes me the man or my, me, as a dude, then what is the truth now? If you're trying to rewrite what the truth actually is, and that's what they was talking about on the Joe Rogan podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is some of my beliefs. I'm just saying this is what they was talking about Look, on the Joe Rogan. I got podcast. a lot
1: of opinions, but we're not gonna talk about them. <laughs> this is not the time or place. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, but I know I see what you're saying. It, it there, there are certain universal truths. I mean, like, like, uh, I wish it was as simple as being like, uh, yeah, I was uh, hanging out at a bar last night. There could be a, a, a light that flashed green. Yeah, that was true. You know, there's no there's no way to just there was no way to like really distort that, you know, people could could change up things, but just full blown lies. I wish that we could get rid of because it's it's too it's man. too. I don't like it, you know, Um the, the level of required trust needed in these day and ages is
0: pretty overwhelming.
1: Um, but
0: yeah. So I can't actually ask that question because I have something as being a military member when it comes to truths and falsehoods. I wish I could explain it to you. We we'll probably talk offline about it because I don't know how I'm going to word it yet. But I guess those are two good ones, accountability, but they're both about accountability. You're saying the same thing. You said the same thing. You can't yeah, say accountability twice. One fantasy. <laughs> you can't say fantasy. Okay, you said, Yo, fantasy. so I want accountability as realistically and fantasy, I want accountability. You got to get the one. You can't say lying. Hey. That's accountability.
1: I want, the, I want the green and red lights. I want truth out there. I don't. I don't. I don't know what to watch it would social be. Dilemma.
0: You need. If there's anything I ask you to do, honestly, is to watch the social dilemma. Um, because if you're talking about truths, please watch that.
1: You know. You know what would be good, and this is some. This is some real. Just dreaming. Like it's so not ever good. It's not possible. But if there was a way, now I'm not real big into the, all the. I don't really speak about energies too much in a like a real way, uh, oh, you know, auras and whatnot. I'm not I'm not really into that. But if there was a way that you could measure the amount of good, uh, even if it was intentions or just the, I mean, I, for lack of a term, say good energies that you're putting out there, if there was a way to like measure that, and your currency was the level of good that you provide. I think we might find out some interesting things about people.
0: Can't you do that already now, though? No. Absolutely not. If you look at the history of somebody's actions, right? Because everybody posts everything on social media anyway. So if you can figure out the history of how they went about certain actions, then you can figure out the, the future of what they do, right? They talk about America there all are. the time. If you understand the past, it applies to the future. You understand our future, our present, and our future.
1: The problem is the, the reason it can't happen right now is because we have to agree on what we consider good and bad. Is good and bad based on outcome? Does that mean that a, a, a bad man can do good things and therefore be a good person? Or what if a good man has not done good things, but he's a good person? They're really nice. They, 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 they buy things for, for homeless people. They, they show kindness and compassion, but ultimately their level of good and influence in the world is, is near none. You know, so like we'd have to agree on what we consider good and bad, first of all, which is near impossible because that's yeah. a pretty philosophical question. Um, and then once we do that, we have to say, like, what, you know, if, if being good is about the, the intention and about all that stuff, what, what happens if someone is a complete asshole but they do all the good things? They intellectually understand the concept of good, but they're mean, they're bitter, they don't want to have a conversation with you, but they make sure that they put their money into the right spots, they build organizations, they do this and that. Like they they make good in the world and they're and they're a, a person who influences good in the world, but they themselves wouldn't have the principles that we would, would normally um would normally attribute to the idea of good. That's so it gets real know. dicey it's it gets it gets impossible. So but I wish there was a way. I wish it was like a universal nature of good that we could measure and and just be like that's your currency if you want to be a bad person you you, you're, you're, you're you're poor you know um but that's impossible that's like a dreamer thing that's that's total
0: fantasy um i yeah that's total fantasy and i just want to piggyback off of that here's why i talked to emmanuel williams and because he's a diehard christian he believes um this is what he said in the podcast that if you're not a christian then you're living a wrong lifestyle. So if he, he said what? <laughs> if you're not. What he said? What kind of lifestyle? You're living a wrong lifestyle. So this is what I was saying. If you have
1: that's a statement,
0: if you have and he says it a lot. If you have like this is what Muslims I was like, hey, there's more Muslims than there are Christians. He said they're all wrong because they don't believe in what he believes in. So when you're talking about Good and bad, if we have that mentality, and I'm using him as a case of like he's all the way far right, I guess, even though I went left, he's all the way far right. If we have that mentality of, hey, if you're not living my lifestyle, then you're wrong, then there is no good and bad because if I'm not following the 10 commandments, then I'm not living a good lifestyle. Here's okay, you know what I'm saying? And that's why I don't think that fantasy just because if people think that way, if you're not living my lifestyle whoa like damn there's no way we ever going to get to what's good and bad to me
1: okay so I've met Emmanuel he was a great guy he was fun to be around That's great only. face 10 player great face 10 player um, but there is a there is a danger and dare I say a toxicity and a cancerous nature to the idea of different is wrong. And there is an, such a, a, a brutish arrogance to suggest that you know exactly what is right. And I don't think it's beneficial, even if it's your belief, to speak an ideology of, if you're not this, you're just wrong. particularly even in the case of if you're trying to ultimately get people to to come to your side in his in his particular situation it would be I'm saying particular a lot but in his in his situation uh, it would be it's good <laughs> uh, I'm trying to be careful here um, in his situation as a Christian which even that like how can you to me how can you say if you're not if you're Christian, If you're not Christian, you're wrong. Even within Christianity, there is such an extreme spectrum of beliefs. You go to a Baptist church and see what they think is okay. Or you go down to like the the Mosaic in LA and you see what they believe, two different doctrines and yet they're both Christian, you know? And so to, to me, the idea that you have all the answers regardless of what you follow is a dangerous concept. And if you want people to entertain the idea of whatever doctrine you're trying to to preach about, the last thing you do is tell them they're wrong. Just basic influence, basic sales will teach you that that is the wrong way. If you you convince someone that they're stupid or make them feel stupid, you lost the sale. You can't get it. You got to convince them that they're smart. And because they're smart, that's why they'll come to you. To me, the idea that if you're Christian, if you're Christian, you're right, and if you're not Christian, you're wrong, in embodies this idea that if you're undeniably good, you should inevitably end up in Christianity. And that on paper is a wrong concept. By the very ideals of Christianity, there are people who follow godlike structures. It's, it's a flawed way of thinking, in my opinion.
0: That was good. I like how and you that, ended that. I feel like you was about to go somewhere with that. But um, yeah, and so, but going back to like that good and bad, if that's such a, it's unfortunate, because I feel like there are universal things which are good and bad, but when you start adding so many different ideologies, like what people believe, this is why I keep telling you, watch The Social Dilemma because people's realities are so different and it's been altered by what they see on a daily basis, then I don't think we'll ever get to that point until we have a structure where we're like, this is bad, don't kill nobody. This is probably not great either, save the children. I actually don't know what that whole hashtag is about, so hopefully I used it right. This is boom, 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 but you know, there was a great joke. and I forgot who it's by when they said the Christians won because everybody has a universe. So like we're living in 2020 after who?
1: Louis CK. <laughs> <laughs> it was Louis CK who said that joke. I believe it was 2017 is special. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah. No, it's, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good point. Uh, but I think one of, the, one of the things that gives me a little bit of hope uh, is just the idea that people, well, maybe not a little hope, I don't know if people are thinking this way, but the idea of even just considering the the nature of good and bad, I think, is an important step to question whether you are good or bad. You know, what is your place in this world? And and if you can get to the point to where you base good and bad off of your influence on others, like... Uh, if you if you come to the conclusion that you cannot be good or bad without therefore showing influence, like if what if it was it was the best person in the world, but they sat in a cave for, the, for their whole life and never saw any other person. It'd be difficult to kind of say they're good because they didn't really do anything but sit with themselves. Who did they affect? What what what, what did they have on the world? If they just stayed in one spot. Could the best hearted person, the kindest hearted person, the most compassionate person be deemed good? So it's a, it's a strange concept. Or uh, take it the other way, what if the most evil person stayed in a cave and never heard a thing? Kind of difficult to then, you know, consider him evil. So then there is some sort of uh, outcome sort of dictates our level of of good and bad. So if we can view it that way and say, well, if I'm going to be a good person, I have to look at my influence and my relationship with others and how I impact others or impact the things around me. I think that's a a hell of a start.
0: All right. Last question, because I want to let you go here soon. Um you watch the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm in the Air Force. Did you see one that the Pentagon has opened up a UFO team?
1: I have heard about this.
0: <laughs> Two. <laughs> do you believe in aliens? Or extraterrestrial life that might have visited this earth already? Because it wasn't Air Force captain or Colonel, excuse me, my bad. Air Force Colonel, who actually saw that aircraft that went from zip, zip, I forgot how fast he said and how much the elevation he went in like a second. How do you feel knowing that the Pentagon has now officially opened this up? Nobody's really talking about it because, you know, we got the coronavirus and everything else happening. But how do you feel? okay. (laughs) (laughs) Woo.
1: (laughs) Um, here's the deal. Aliens are one of those things that I don't necessarily like when I look up in the sky, I don't think I'm going to see an alien. Um, I don't think we can accidentally stumble upon aliens. I think that if they want to be seen, they'll be seen. I think they're a little far too intellectual. You know, that'd be like, if, if we, if we had, you know, if we knew there was like a tribe of gorillas in the forest and we were like, we don't want them to ever know we're here it'd be pretty easy for us to con- convince them we weren't there. You know. That was good. Right. Um, uh, we have the technology to do so. But I'm also kind of on the Neil deGrasse Tyson train of it feels a little boisterous, a little self-centered to assume that we are the only ones. If the galaxy stretches infinitely so, it seems almost an impossibility that some other form of life is not out there. And the fact that we have such a curiosity about ourselves, the fact that we are, are already trying to extend into space and we want to keep extending, there's no, assuming that the humans don't die, there's no limit to how much we want to further explore. The furthest we get will not be far enough. So if someone were light years ahead of us, it, it would be reasonable to assume they would have the same curiosity. Um, I think you have to first believe that we are the chosen ones to, to, to think that we are not the only ones, or we're the only ones. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's real hard. I don't believe in them in the way that like, I'm not convinced they've been chilling around. I'm not convinced in, 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 yeah, I'm not convinced in, in the men in black and stuff like that, but I wouldn't be surprised. Look, War of the Worlds effed me up. I had to do some thinking. Uh, I, what would i do would i strangle that man in the basement what i do it I, I, had, I had a lot of thoughts like <laughs> so yeah i think that's I, I think it's it's possible it's possible all
0: right last i last, don't disbelieve one. i'm sorry because now you add two names i want to add two names to the people jordan peterson elon musk Neil degrasse tyson jordan peterson Oh, Jordan Peterson, Barack Obama. Jordan Peterson. Who wouldn't you like? Okay.
1: You don't. You don't understand. He's he's a he's a clinical uh, psychologist, so yeah. it is because his understanding of the mind and his potential understanding of a part of me that I don't understand myself that I have an interest in sitting down with him above everyone else. Now, if it's just who I want to chill with, and it's just who think who I think would be the funnest to be around or something like that. That's you. Then you. We need to bring Kevin Hart and The Rock back into this no. conversation. Neil deGrasse Tyson would be a blast. He would have a lot of information about things I don't know, but it wouldn't have anything to do with me. And under, I wouldn't come out of that conversation. I would come out of that conversation with Neil being a smarter person, but not quite a better person. I come out of conversation with you know The Rock and Kevin Hart, maybe be more inspired, maybe feel more productive, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't change maybe my psychological makeup. And and if anyone has a chance of the people we said, it would be Jordan Peterson who could do that.
0: All right. All right. That sounds good. Hey, stay on the line. I'm gonna do my I'm gonna do my <laughs> outro. I'm gonna do it right. I gotta fix the intro later, which I'm kinda pissed about. <laughs> 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 All right, once again. You mess
1: this up, I'm taking it personally.
0: My bad. Once again, Sean <laughs> era that's S-H-O-N-Z-I-B-E-B-E. Go ahead, look up Freddie Walton on his YouTube page. He's coming up with those two podcasts and those projects. So watch out for those. I'll make sure I put up his links everywhere in the description below. If you haven't liked it, go ahead and like it. If you haven't, went to my website. Go to theyoungandbipolar.com. We're going to have this episode up tomorrow. I'm trying to do it tonight. I'm trying to sleep. So thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Love you. I'm out. Peace. Peace.